Welcome to Work Scolding Hollywood, the podcast where we hold fictional characters accountable for the things the writers make them do and say. I am the host, Jarl, otherwise known as Carcass Bomb, and I am joined by my two brilliant co-hosts, Chris and Espy. Hello, guys. Hello. Hello, hello. You went on the last episode, Espy. Would you like to just quickly introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Espy Colts. I wasn't on the last episode because I hate Iron Man and I had no interest in talking about it. Sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm Espy. I'm a sex worker, musician, and writer. Yeah, you dodged a bullet there with the uh, Iron yeah. Man for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so today we're discussing Big Trouble in Little China, one of my all-time favorite movies. I picked this one. I fucking love this movie, watching it even now. And I learned <laughs> I learned a lot about it that made me appreciate it even more. Though it is not without its issues. So we're going to discuss the pros and cons of this movie and just generally get into what made it an interesting entry to the 80s action movie zeitgeist. So where, where should we start with this one? Do you think? Yeah. Because there is a couple of, I think the most prominent aspect of the movie is the depiction of uh, Chinese-American culture. Definitely. Yeah, and I was surprised. I expected when I saw the title and everything for it to be a lot more racist than it was. I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah, it is a surprising movie in that way. It definitely has uh, its protesters. So there's a couple of angles to consider on it. Ultimately, it's always going to be a difficult task for any Western director to try and handle these kind of topics. I think if anyone was going to do it in like the best way you could do it in the 80s, it was going to be John Carpenter. Sure. (laughs) Because similar movies were made and were fucking terrible. Like uh, a lot of the protest is coming like just before this movie was released, uh, Year of the Dragon came out, which was really bad. And that sparked a shitload of protest. And it was only a couple of years later that Big Trouble in Little China came out. And I think that a lot of that protest was still present there in Hollywood. Well, Carpenter was always very much uh, working outside the traditional thinking of how to do things, I think. Yeah. Like this was, what year did this come out? 86? Is that right? Yeah, 86. Not- yeah. <laughs> 86? Yeah, so this is after the thing. So he's kind of, you know, on a on a bit of a bit of a low low point um because that was such a wasn't it wasn't the com- critical and commercial success they wanted that he did Christine which was a lot more kind of back to basics horror and a little bit a little bit less startling and then this is like this is more like in the escape from new york vein where it's just totally different he does it he does it really well like it's kind of watching it i was like got a lot of his same ha- ha- hallmarks like kurt russell you know, there's a lot of the same kind of snappy dialogue. Of course, he writes everything. The music, obviously, is him. All sounds great. It's still not like, it. you know, you can't totally feel that it's a horror director doing it. Like, it feels very authentic in its action, action movie kind of way. Yeah. Well, uh, John Carpenter describes Big Trouble in Little China as an action adventure, comedy, kung fu, ghost story, monster movie. <laughs> totally. And <laughs> totally, <laughs> he's right. Yeah, one of the uh, biggest criticisms I saw was, uh, and I'm not 100 sure how I feel about it. We'll have to look at the evidence as presented in the film. But was the notion of the white hero savior mm-hmm. with um, Kurt Russell's character, yeah. and 
which I do think to an extent relies on the audience to not be aware of a lot of subtext. Like when I was a teenager watching this movie, I wasn't aware of a lot of the subtext, obviously. And as a Westerner, I did strongly identify with Kurt Russell. And like, that was the sort of person yeah. I was drawn to, but I don't think that was the intent of the movie for me to do that. But that is how a Western audience is going to, they're going to drift towards the Western characters. Well, yeah. And he's the most, like, he's the most relatable to yeah. us. Right. You know, yeah, he's an all American dude. Yeah. It's actually interesting that you brought that up because I actually read a different review where the person, an Asian person was talking about how they were actually pleasantly surprised because when they saw the poster for the movie, they saw Kurt Russell in the front, all action hero-y. But then when they actually watched the movie, he actually ended up going more into the background as the movie progressed. And yeah. um, the the Asian characters actually ended up becoming more of the main characters than he was, which I definitely agree with. Same. I didn't feel like he was a white savior in the movie. Yeah. I feel like he- Because who does he save? <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> like if he's the savior i'd like to see him save yeah. something because he doesn't he doesn't really yeah <laughs> it's a matter of like a filmmaking storytelling aspect of it where throughout the movie his entourage is basically always more cu- capable than him mm-hmm. throughout the entire thing yeah <laughs> and at the end he kind of had to have a moment where he got to do something successfully because if there wasn't a moment where Jack Burton kind of rose up, then it would just be a movie where a bunch of competent people completed a task competently. Yep. Yeah. And Kurt Russell is also there. Yeah. Yeah. So like <laughs> there, there wouldn't have really been a, a big movie arc to it without that. Yeah. Totally. That moment. Totally. Yeah. And I, they foreshadowed that moment very well with the uh, all on the reflexes the bottle scene at the beginning oh, where to- he catches yeah, the bottle totally. and, then he, and then he catches the knife and throws it back like it was a good scene and it's like it's it's kind of he's very he's an interesting character in that because like you compare that to his character in because i automatically do this i'm like how does this work with with their other work you look at escape from new york snake Pliskin. he's the coolest guy ever he's the smartest guy ever he's the best operative um in the thing he's the most like he's the one that the guys pick as like kind of the leader he's the voice of reason he's kind of you know he's very centered and in this one he's just totally not that at all he's he's the kind of he's the comic relief of it mm-hmm. yeah like entirely it, it's it's all him he doesn't yeah he doesn't really do much uh successfully he does things in the movie like he's not He's not just a, a lampshade, but, yeah. um, you know, there's other characters in the movie who accomplish a lot more than him. Yeah, I would say Wang is actually the main character, which I enjoyed. Definitely. The beginning, it was like Jack was our perspective character, but then as the movie progressed, it shifted and Wang became our perspective character. Yeah, well, there's an interesting aspect to the uh, studio side of things where they actually felt that Jack Burton wasn't enough of a hero. So the studio yeah. the studio requested to add in the opening scene that we saw where he is referred to as courageous. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> uh, John Carpenter intended the movie to start with uh, Jack in the truck, uh, basically mm-hmm. podcasting. Yeah, he is. <laughs> that's, that's what I thought too. I'm like, oh, this is this is very of the era. If they remake this now, it's he's got to have he's, he's got to have his own podcast. Yeah, for sure. And uh, yeah, there's a couple of scenes where the studio kind of interjected 
just because they're worried the audience wouldn't get it. That uh, first, the alleyway fight scene, for example, where uh, Wang describes basically who the good guys and the bad guys are, despite them being very clearly clothed yeah. in that way, <laughs> that that was a studio <laughs> thing added as well. Yeah, just you need to really the guys wearing red and black are bad. It's like okay, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, yes. the guys who like literally pulled guns out on a funeral. And yeah, stuff, yeah, 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 yeah. They might be bad. The Sith Lords, <laughs> bad guys. Yeah, oh for sure. <laughs> um, and also, like, I don't. I'll, I have to look into this, but uh, there are so many Asian actors in this film. Mm-hmm. I well, yeah, and I was looking at the opening credits. I was like holy shit like there's basically there's it's basically like i'd say at least 80 percent asian cast like it's uh, i was just gonna say and look at cloud atlas where it's like mostly white people and yellow face yeah <laughs> yeah like what made 30 years later nearly or something yeah yeah exactly. yeah. <laughs> yeah um yeah i think john carpenter is probably in terms of a white director casting asian crew it's definitely i don't think any other movie is quite on that level like it's not only does he cast asian american actors but they also he doesn't like make them do accents and shit like that everyone has their own accents like some people Sorry, I was just going to say something I noted was that in cyberpunk, when you're interacting with any Asian character, they always have a very thick Asian accent. I saw a lot of Asian people on like Twitter critiquing that because why would generations of people still have Asian accents? That doesn't really make any sense. (laughs) So this movie is actually more progressive than cyberpunk, which a year ago. (laughs) Yeah, cyberpunk definitely had its uh, issues in terms of trying to be progressive and failing. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and that's interesting because I didn't even... That's something I didn't clue into in the movie that, yeah, everybody's just like, nobody's doing, nobody's doing really a caricature mm-hmm. yeah, accent like the... because like you just, when you have everybody speaking the way that they would speak, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't feel weird, right? No, it, it feels yeah, authentic. It's interesting. More. I didn't think of that, but yeah. Yeah. Cause you got some that are like, uh, you know, fluent English speaking, Asian, mm-hmm. uh, Chinese Americans. And then you've got some that, um, speak the native languages mm-hmm. you know and you've got varying degrees of english capability For sure. yeah i think that that was a really smart move but uh i think where perhaps it is the weakest is probably the depiction of martial arts <laughs> yeah it's a little funky <laughs> yeah yeah it's, it's a bit goofy they did yeah. uh, they did put a casting call out for people that knew martial arts mm-hmm. but I mean, that's, we're talking so many different possible styles and. Mm-hmm. And it's not his, it's not his background at all as a, as a filmmaker, right? Like, yeah. We're talking about the guy who made Halloween, right? Like this yeah. was kind of his first, like, it's, it's the most, it's the most, um, the most like action, action oriented of any of his, any of his movies, I would say, having seen most of them, not all of them, but most of them. Yeah. Well, like as a person that isn't familiar with martial arts whatsoever, it did seem like a bit over the top. But at the same time, this movie is a lot of fun. Yeah. (laughs) Like the 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 third act was just bonkers. Like all of the uh the fighting in the air and all of that stuff. And the um I guess we gotta talk about the magic as well, which is also rather you know, the whole idea of the inexplicable magical Asian character. That, that's another critique I read up about. 
is that like the idea of just unexplained magical powers given to Asian people. I, I think what helps, sorry, you're right. <laughs> stepping, stepping all over you. Um, I think what helps in that, cause I was thinking about that like the whole time um, because it's the most, like it's the first thing that's kind of, you're kind of thrown into the world of this movie. I think what helps is that like not every single Asian character has magic powers. Exactly. Like that yeah. kind of helps because I'm thinking about it in comparison to say, you know, if we're t- talking about um, certain types of media that portray like, you know, for Native Americans as magical people, quote unquote, um, a lot of the times it'll have all of them are like these kind of spiritual mystical beings. And, you know, it's, it's Twilight. ridiculous. Yeah. Twilight yeah. Is, is the best example. But in this, you know, Wang is a guy, right? Yeah. He doesn't have, mm-hmm. he doesn't have uh, Raiden for Mortal Kombat powers. Yeah. You know, so, so it, it, it works, right? It grounds yeah. it. It doesn't make it this whole like kind of ridiculous caricature to some degree. Yeah. Although, yeah, yeah. Like you say in the third act, things get wild, but you know, it's still, uh, I, it's I still, love it, it makes sense. It makes sense in its own internal logic, which is the best thing yeah. that a movie can do. And it is like, it's a fantasy movie at its core. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And it, te- it it's wears that on its sleeve, right? It's not trying yeah, to do yeah. something else. Like in the third act, when I was taking notes, like all my notes in the third act are just in all caps, like one line, just like, I was just so fucking pumped. Yeah. Like that boss fight game, purple versus green, let's go. Like, yeah, uh, <laughs> that's right. Totally. So um, while we're on the topic of Asian culture, I did want to bring up the one thing that bothered me personally. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, yeah. Obviously, I don't know a lot of Asian culture stuff, so I can't like critique any of the other stuff going on in the movie. Um, but one line in particular stood out to me. It was when Egg said, the Bodhisattva of the underworld, the evil spirit. And I was very confused because a Bodhisattva is the opposite of an evil spirit. <laughs> oh. It's basically a, a Buddhist who stays back from enlightenment, stays on earth to help others become enlightened. It's the main goal of Mahayana Buddhism. I'm a Zen Buddhist. So that's, that's like our main goal is to be Bodhisattvas. And the main goal of like Tibetan Buddhism is to be enlightened. So that's like the differences. Um, but anyway, so the Bodhisattva's whole purpose is to stay behind and help others become enlightened. And then specifically because city garba which is the one he was talking about his whole purpose is he can't attain buddhahood until the hell realms are emptied which makes him the exact opposite of evil yeah (laughs) he's he's trying to get everyone out of the hell realms into our realm and then into enlightenment and until the hells are emptied he will not um move on with his enlightenment and then um also in japan this this bodhisattva's name is jizo and I actually attended a Jesus ceremony just a few weeks ago <laughs> because there's a couple in our Sangha who are pregnant and expecting soon. And mm. Jizo is like the Bodhisattva of childbirth. And um, if you go to Japan, there's Jizo statues all over the place because he's also the one that helps um, like aborted fetuses or uh, miscarried babies travel over. So oh, wow. he's a very, very beautiful, very special Bodhisattva to me. <laughs> I really adore him. So I was just very confused why they kept calling him evil. <laughs> and um, when I think of a bodhisattva, that's like the last thing that comes to my mind. So that was my main critique. I was very irritated and <laughs> did not understand that at all. Oh, that's, that's cool. To very know. interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, total misread there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, no, that's really cool. Hmm. <laughs> I think there is a lot of poking fun at white people that is mm-hmm. really fun in this, especially the disguise scene where Jack. Yeah. 
tries to uh, basically a parody of white people of Jack trying to appear as square as possible. Yeah. <laughs> and the um the Asian reception lady just basically thinking he's a goofy bitch. And yeah. and and in other hero type movies, the hero regards the women and the people from other cultures in this way, in this way. But here it's revert. So like usually it would be the white guy dismissing you know, everyone around him as being silly or, you know, kind of eccentric and stuff like that. For sure. So, yeah, well, I think... Sorry, you go ahead. No, I'm just saying, I, I, I'm right. Ah, I've lost it anyway, man. <laughs> you got it. I was just going to say, I think it's cool because, again, you know, you see him, he's kind of Kurt Russell. He's kind of like, you know, the one of the quintessential action stars that you think of and then he's in this movie he's he's he's, you know he's the comic relief he's a goofball for most of it and it it helps it separate itself i think from a lot of other other movies of this style and and yeah it gives it gives a different type of type of feel for me yeah the movie poster is incredibly misleading (laughs) yeah it is it's crazy jacked up in the top and then um one of the ladies i can't remember the the uh, main woman's name but she's like flopped on the ground and that's it <laughs> yeah the uh yeah well at the end of the day uh in 1986 like this movie did pave the way for a lot of the asian american actors to go on to become bigger in more films but at this time uh kurt russell keep calling her samantha kim cattrall <laughs> yes um uh, they are <laughs> her name yeah, they are the uh, star power. Like for they sure, are, they're the ones that are going to perhaps increase the reach of the movie at this time. So it does make sense that they would try and kind of, in a marketing way, do that. Mm-hmm. But it is misleading to the actual content of the movie, which is really balanced in terms of who's presented and what roles they play. It does make me wonder, though, because the movie actually did really badly in the box office, and I wonder yeah. if they had marketed it in a different way, if it would have done better. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it was like, because it was like at the tail end of all of these big Hollywood action movies, it just probably wasn't as interesting anymore. So if they had marketed it more as like a fantasy movie, I feel like it might have done better. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, it pretty much got it's success from um, like a cult success success Mm -hmm. from straight to video sort of releases. Mm -hmm. And uh, Kurt Russell basically said that the rise of his whole career is because of straight to video. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I totally see that. Well, and it's, it was the same with same more or less with, with um, the thing in most of Carpenter's, most of Carpenter's um, movies that aren't Halloween you know, weren't, weren't really big successes. And Halloween was kind of a fluke. It just came at the right time. It's an amazing movie. Obviously it's a masterpiece, but it was also, you know, it was also right place, right time. And Ah, there was an appetite for horror of that style. It's like releasing a movie called Christmas on Christmas day. You know, it's like, (laughs) exactly. And it was, and it was just kind of, it's one of those things. It's like, like, it's a miracle that nobody else had used it yet. Yeah. Right. Like just there wasn't that idea of of slasher movies as a as a viable um viable product yet. But yeah. Yeah, it's it pretty just, much just psycho and then yeah. Psycho and then you get Black Black Christmas, which was a big one, but it was, you know, Black Christmas Canadian movie. It's not quite didn't have quite the reach, although it was a success here. And then Black <laughs> Christmas ended up uh 
I'm Canadian, by the way. I don't ever, some, a lot of people ask me uh, where I'm from and nobody seems to know that I'm Canadian, which is odd to me, but yeah, I'm Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, yeah, Halloween was, was kind of where it all, it, it all kind of sprung off from there. And then you get stuff like Friday the 13th and yeah. Anyway, yeah. we're not talking about horror movies. Well, as an Australian, a lot of movies, the only way I got into them was because of straight to video release. Like for sure. We didn't really get, we got a lot of stuff late and we didn't get a lot of stuff in cinemas here. So like growing up. So yeah, I DVDs back in the day, I had all of the John Carpenter stuff for sure. Uh, my last note regarding racial depiction and big trouble in little China, I found this to be particularly progressive for the time. I'm not sure if there's a history of this, but it depicts an interracial relationship blooming with the um, reporter, with Margot and um, yes, yeah. true, true. Yeah, because yeah. it's like late eighties. I was actually surprised at that. Like you had, a, you, you didn't even have everyone couple off either. Like you had, you know, Wang and the green eyed lady pair off at Mao the Yang. end, obviously. <laughs> yeah, Mao Yang. <laughs> and then you had, and then you had um, Margot. God, I need a. I should have researched this whole list first. It, it's, <laughs> doing it on flight. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Margot and Eddie Lee mm-hmm. are off, mm-hmm. and then. Jack and Gracie don't. Yeah. Yeah. They, they part their ways. I it would have been better if if Gracie was more ambivalent about it as well as a character and not trying to sort of like it felt a bit uneven there where like Jack That was mm-hmm. that was an odd. Yeah, I kind of felt odd about that. I'm kind of like what yeah. this this feels kind of off to me. But I see what yeah. they were going for where he's just like he's too cool for love, but it it didn't really work for me. I was actually going to mention that because when I was reading about the sexism in the movie, one of the critics I was reading was saying, oh, well, it kind of evened out at the end because he didn't end up with the girl. But that's not how I felt because it seemed like she really wanted to be with him. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. It's a weird, it's a weird note to end it on, Mm -hmm. I feel like. Yeah, I I do have a lot to say about the sort of building of their relationship. To put this all into context for me, I had just recently watched this really informative video about Harrison Ford's rapey characters in film. Mm-hmm. Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones, Blade Runner, ha- Han Oh, Solo. Blade Runner, of course. Yeah, the yeah. worst. Uh, Blade Runner, yeah. I, I said this in my, in my, when I watched Blade Runner this year, that's the worst romantic subplot I think I've ever seen in a movie yeah. is Blade Runner. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. did not enjoy the movie at all after I saw that one scene. I was like, I'm out. It's awful. <laughs> yeah. It's truly horrible. But all of the all of these scenes in these movies that were shown in this video all had a lot of similarities where um, the pursued female character expresses both verbally and non-verbally mm-hmm. that they do not give consent and that they are not interested. And that even in Star Wars, there's a scene that's like two minutes long of just Han Solo constantly making advances and you can see Leia like physically backing up verbally saying not interested and generally seeming very scared while i while the um interactions between jack and gracie perhaps wouldn't really fly in a modern age sort of setting where you can't you shouldn't just really go up to women sort of thing right (laughs) in comparison to the harrison ford movies that became before this and like even probably after it uh there kim uh gracie does come across as quite independent and powerful Mm -hmm. she kind of matches him like in the first encounter 
um he's like leans up against the wall and she leans up against the wall to tell him off and shit and there's no sense of her backing off and there's no verbal i'm not interested go away from me sort of thing it's a very playful back and forth where both people retain their agency in the first encounter yeah, and I, I think the, the whole, sorry, you go ahead, SP. I was just going to say, I agree. And that's why the second half of the movie was so frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> because Gracie is such a strong character until the very end. And I did not understand why. Yeah. And then, yeah, the second meeting, uh, the first meeting was in the airport, uh, actually. And the second meeting was in Chinatown in that building where they were discussing mm-hmm. their plan. And that continues the showing of them going head to head, basically. Until you get to, yeah, the third act where for some reason the writers kind of back down from that a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's totally sidelined. Yeah. Yeah. But um, she does, throughout the movie, have her own adventures. Definitely. Where it's separate from Kurt Russell and stuff. Like mm-hmm. she's in the background setting things up. At one point he yells out to her, call the cops. And then she just fucks off in a car and doesn't do that. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorite parts. <laughs> And uh, just like, no, dude. Yeah. And and Gracie isn't there because of him. She exists in Chinatown yep. independently of him for her own backstory and reason. And she has her own goal. So I found that to be a good depiction as well in terms of if you're going to have like a sort of femme fatale that isn't completely reliant on Jack. You know, in fact, she thinks Jack is a bit of an idiot. And he is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's part of his charm, right? That's his himbo character. King. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Yeah. Him, yeah, totally himbo king. 100 yeah, percent sure. Just yeah, at the end, it should have been a kind of like, yeah, Gracie should have been a bit more in like the character should have been a bit more ambivalent about him not being interested. But they kind of beginning of the third act, they kind of really upped her excitement about him. Mm-hmm. So it probably would have been hard to pull that off. Like they needed to keep her consistent throughout all three acts to really pull it off. Yeah, it feels almost like um, uh, we keep talking about Wachowski. We keep bringing up Wachowski sister movies in in a <laughs> negative way, but The Matrix, I feel, kind of has that where it's just like all of a sudden Trinity and Neo are in love. It's, it, it's mm-hmm. not. I've never felt that that's set up very well, but other yeah. people can might feel differently. They're brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'll never forgive them for uh, putting dog ears on Channing Tatum and making me watch that. Yeah, that (laughs) one. That one is a is a misstep. I saw that in theaters. Oh no, never seen. Um, Yeah, (laughs) don't. Eddie Redmayne is the worst villain ever. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a shit show. Regrettable. And like arcs repeat. There's not like. There's not, yeah. like a, there's not like a one act, two act, three act. There's like one act, one act, two act, 1.5 act, 2.5 act, three. And like a lot of it's just repeating the same thing, but bigger. And it's insane. Probably. Yeah. Anyway, back to big trouble. I, I was thinking about this. I'm like, in any other, like, there was a scene where they went down to try and free Gracie and all the others. Uh, and then count Wang was holding lightning hostage. And they encountered all of those female soldiers. Mm-hmm. Now, in any other movie, I swear they would have, there would have been some kind of remark, like in Iron Man, mm-hmm. there was a remark. Yeah. About women soldiers. There would have been some kind of remark, but no, they actually seem to legitimately fear these women. And there is no afterward remark that kind of diminishes their ability at all. 
I actually had one small note, which was that they bring they present these strong Asian women for the first time in the movie. Yeah. And then they have no lines. <laughs> yeah, that's true too. Yeah. Some reason the Asian women just never speak in this movie. It's so weird. Uh yeah, I didn't really think of that. Yeah, yeah. even the uh um <laughs> Mao Ying. Yeah, even Mao Ying didn't yeah. really have lines. One of yeah. my notes one of my notes is I'm pretty sure she only has one line and it's the word no. <laughs> yeah, so like so, the- she has no character. This movie like does try really hard in some ways and it just kind of just misses the mark in a couple of other ways. And like mm-hmm. I could see the potential for like something really solid here. Well, yeah, and there could be like a cool I was kind of waiting for a moment where she, Mao Yin, kind of like, you know, fights some um, like fights off uh mm-hmm. the bad guy. I forget his name. Yeah. I keep I kept I kept calling him Shang Tsung. Ah, because, yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> wait what's the reference because mortal kombat oh oh. um he just reminded he just reminds me of that character from mortal Mm -hmm. kombat because people have and and i looked it up because of course this came out this movie came out before mortal kombat and there's people kind of pointing out that uh, there's a lot of characters in mortal kombat that share some similarities with characters in this movie so it's kind of you know like the guy who shoots lightning wears wears a big round like circular hat like raiden in mortal Mm -hmm. kombat yeah um yeah, that's that's an interesting little tidbit. It's like, oh yeah, yeah. this is probably where they got the idea. Uh, yeah, I <laughs> but I kept waiting for Ma- Mao Yin to kind of fight the bag the bad guy off, and she doesn't. And I was yeah. the most she does is says no. Yeah, half heartedly. Yeah, <laughs> which is dire for yeah. female characters only line to be no i feel like yes very i did not like that at all <laughs> especially yeah. when her whole like the whole um plot is centered around her getting married mm-hmm. yeah, right? yeah she's supposed to marry uh Wang, mm-hmm. and then she gets taken and she's supposed to marry the bad guy mm-hmm. but you know yeah no that is very interesting and thanks for bringing that up because i didn't really even register that that uh yeah the marriage dynamic and the fact that the asian women had no real lines yeah that is a huge oversight going back to the video game stuff real quick though john carpenter actually is a huge influence on video games like uh snake plissken in uh escape from la is solid snake and metal gear solid um 100 (laughs) it's kurt russell's character and they live was the inspiration for duke nukem Mm. that's right yeah yeah (laughs) not kurt russell it's a different guy I forget the uh, Roddy Rod Piper. Roddy Rod Piper. Rod, yeah, that, yeah, that's yeah, who yeah. he is. Yeah, they live. And even down to John Carpenter's scoring had a huge influence in sort of video game soundtracks as well. There was talk of him doing a Dead Space movie at one point. Oh my god. Oh, that'd I would be wish. sweet. Yeah. yeah. It would have been the greatest thing ever made, but it never happened. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. Well, speaking of things that I... didn't happen, the the rock was supposed to supposedly play a remake in the Jack Burton in the remake of Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah, I, I saw that. Yeah, I heard about this. Yes, <laughs> and it Carp- never happened. Carpenter said he's ambivalent about the idea, mm. and That's- he's usually he's pretty on board with remakes as long as they pay him. Yeah. <laughs> so it's interesting that with maybe he just holds this one very close to his heart. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Well, and I'm interested. There's a there's an Escape from New York remake coming down the pipe with Lee Winnell mm. directing. I'm very interested to see how that goes because that movie is so Carpenter. Like it just, I, I'll, it, it's one of those movies I just I cannot imagine anybody else directing it. But Lee Winnell's quite good at what he does, so I think it'll be interesting. But this one, I think I you'd have a hard time 
selling it now i think yeah i agree it was hard for me to even want to watch it because i yeah. was so worried about you know what i was gonna get myself into yeah because you think western director movie about yeah. chinese black magic exactly <laughs> big white guy holding guns yeah to be fair to be fair the rock is not a white guy <laughs> yes true true so if yeah doing it now if you had the rock and be. I kind of I cannot picture the rock playing this character. No, either. <laughs> he's, he's he's too much. Like yeah, he's he's, he's massive. Yeah, <laughs> he's not he's not he's not a an idiot trucker. Yeah, <laughs> right. Like I, I I cannot picture that. What a weird idea. Yeah, I think like him in Walking Tall. Maybe. Yeah, like, yeah, maybe like that sort of. But I don't know. I don't like the rock as an actor much personally i do in parts like in the fast and furious movies where it's all so ridiculous oh it works yeah Yeah, i liked him in jumanji (laughs) yeah sure i haven't seen the remake of jumanji yet it's not great but it was enjoyable (laughs) it was enjoyable to watch as a fun movie but not a good movie (laughs) i I remember him with uh sean william scott and welcome to the jungle never seen that one that was uh, (laughs) that i i'm kind of glad because i i don't think that movie would hold up and that's yeah. one of those movies that was like really big for like two years and then just disappeared entirely mm-hmm. and no one ever thought about it again apparently this is a little tidbit of information here the lipstick coming off kim cattrall and onto russell wasn't a planned joke but something they improvised when they saw the makeup used on the actress came off so easily that uh, i i thought that that was one of the funniest parts of the movie <laughs> so <laughs> that that's really fun yeah I, I i remembered that scene and without having seen it again in a long time i wasn't sure if it was going to be like some kind of terrible joke or some kind but it ultimately ended up being rather harmless and amusing and yeah i yeah i don't really have much to say about it yeah i think mostly it. the humor in this movie is pretty like it's not at the ex- it's very rarely if ever like i can't think of an example where uh there's a joke that isn't at the expense of kurt russell yeah like yeah pretty much like it's not not either of the women um who are you know major characters or any of the any of the asian characters i can't think of any jokes that are kind of cracked at their expense yeah no i think you're right there which is something for an 80s action movie yeah like Like, it it yeah, like I said, it's so on point, but also slightly overlooks yeah. a few things just because I think how normalized so much shit was back then. Mm-hmm. Totally. I, I think they were trying to see a lot of it, but just weren't able to see some of it. Yeah. And stuff like, you know, there there wasn't dis there wasn't really discourse about, you know, damsel in distress and yeah. all that kind of <laughs> stuff that we have now. Like they're like, you know, movies just kind of got made right there was no twitter where people thought about yeah yeah exactly so carpenter basically stuff (laughs) carpenter basically just did this independently right and not that that's you know not that that's an excuse for anything but it puts it in perspective right that like stuff like the bechdel test didn't exist yet right like we didn't have those ideas about how um which is maybe i believe yeah it does actually because, uh, yeah, because um, Margot and Gracie yeah. were really concerned about getting, like, on their own little adventure at one point. That... Which is unfortunate because 
Margot asks if she can go, and then he tells her no. And I'm like, oh my god, the one yeah. character that's not a damsel in distress gets told she can't go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why? <laughs> yeah, you're not fierce enough. You need to stay here. It's dangerous. Like Kim, she's fine. She's nuts. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, and uh, there was a line that the cops have better things to do than get killed. Big disagree mm-hmm. there. Yeah. I wrote that one down. I wrote that the same exact thing down. Yeah, Kurt Russell says that. I'm like, I'm actually no. They don't. <laughs> yeah, and they then, don't. Yeah, and then they end up chasing them at the end. The cops end up coming and chasing them, and right. um, yeah. Egg, Shen, Egg Shen just fucks them right off with a little explosion. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I like the uh, one of my favorite scenes was when Jack jumps on the back of this giant of the of lightning to try it with the knife and then everyone starts running away and then they're like come on jack let's go and he's like i don't know how and he's like stuck on lightning's back just trying to figure out what to do <laughs> yeah it's <was> really funny <laughs> so i have to say i didn't even realize this was supposed to be a comedy because i didn't actually laugh out loud a single time oh <laughs> i thought it was supposed to be just an action movie with you know some humor in it yeah i did not realize it was intended to be a comedy but that's just me <laughs> yeah that's fair enough i it, it wasn't like laugh out loud funny a lot, yeah. but there was a couple of moments where I, as of someone very familiar with the movie growing mm. up and stuff, I just can't help but like, just love. Like um, when they first go down the uh, pole to go, like as the group with Egg Shen leading to go find Lo Pang, they go down into these tunnels, uh, the sewers sort of thing. And this creature comes out of this hole. Yeah. And then Lupang, uh, Egg Shen <laughs> throws a ball at it to disperse it. He goes, yeah. it, will not, it will not come out anymore. And Jack's like, what? What won't come out anymore? And he's like freaking the fuck out. Like, I, I did not funny. laugh, but when I saw the monster, I went, whoa. <laughs> yeah. And then like just the the big hairy golem guy. I just loved him. Mm-hmm. Like he's just so goofy and fun. Like the, the... Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was just going to say, I also really love Egg. He's like my favorite character. He's so endearing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. He's got like such a great uh, attitude and sort mm-hmm. of vibe about him. It's very, very good. And he's another character that I think is a good example of how this movie doesn't play into stereotypes that mm-hmm. it feels like it should be. Because like when when it opens on him um, and the, the kind of framing device... Um, where he's, he's telling the story of what happened. And I'm kind of like, oh yeah, the sage old Asian dude mm-hmm. <laughs> who knows everything and, you know. Yeah. Like, it, it's kind of, you know, it feels like a stereotype, but no, he's actually very, he's a very active character and he's very, he's, he's very much affable <laughs> and and funny. And yeah, yeah, he doesn't, he's not that kind of, you know, stodgy old, like, monk. You know, yeah. they're often monks or whatever. Yeah. I also love the between the fact that he's really funny but he's not the comic relief yeah exactly yeah yeah (laughs) like there was a time a moment where he hammed it up but it was for it was because uh, in his job as a tourist bus driver for prominently like mostly white people yeah tourist Mm -hmm. i can understand how there was a bit of showmanship added to that definitely yeah um but beyond that like no everything yeah he was fan like he was even fantastic in that. I'm not saying that's a criticism. I'm just noting that the one time there is kind of a exaggeration, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's within context, mm-hmm. yeah. for sure. And I just love at the end where he's just like, they're all in the uh, restaurant or whatever, and Egg Shen's just there ripping cones. Like, yeah. What, what, what a, <laughs> so mad. I loved him. Yeah, that scene was also really funny because he was like trash talking Asian culture. <laughs> 
what was the line? Um, let me see. I wrote it down. All about the three ideologies being split. Yes, 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 yes. He wrote, of course, the Chinese mix everything up. Look at what they have to work with. Um, Buddhism, Confucianism, and Taoism, alchemy and sorcery. We take what we want and leave the rest. Yeah. I was, it made me laugh just because I was like, oh, he's like kind of trash talking his own culture. <laughs> yeah, I think that was... Um like pointed towards Lo Peng as like mm-hmm. being like how he lacks the discipline behind right. the arts because he just takes from everything and he mm-hmm. kind of became a monstrosity because of it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did. I did. that sort of did pick my ear a bit too. And then, yeah, I had to think about that a fair bit. Mm-hmm. Damn. Well, I don't really have a whole lot of notes left. Um, <laughs> about the uh, sort of goofy horror aspect. Apparently John Carpenter was very inspired by a genre of movie called I'm probably going to butcher this Zhang Shi, which relies on jumping ghosts and vampires and silliness. Mm. And it is a um, Asian genre of movie that he kind of felt very inspired about and wanted to do an homage to. But I, I find that interesting because the movie was originally meant to be a Western. Mm-hmm. Mm. So yeah, it's, there's a lot going on. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, John Carpenter doing a Western. Yeah, that was the original um, script. That'd be pretty cool. Which uh, you kind of get little bits left in there, like uh, the alleyway scene. At the alleyway scene, there's a kind of cowboy guy with the gun. Yeah. When he goes, it's Chinese standoff. And I'm like, I don't think that's a thing, but I get it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like, what? (laughs) Yeah, I was making fun of the whole Mexican standoff thing. Yeah. Yeah so long though i was like is this gonna be the entire movie or are they just gonna sit in this car yeah. and watch them yeah. the whole yeah. movie <laughs> yeah i think it was uh worth it for the uh low pang introduction i i love mm-hmm. the i love him in that where he's just like invites them to run him over and stuff yeah like and when i first saw this movie when i was a kid i was like oh damn this guy is hardcore like it came off correctly with low pang is introduction i think definitely oh yeah it's super cool yeah so uh, I, I had a hard time figuring out who the cop in this movie is. Every episode I try and fig- try to sign someone the role of a cop because <laughs> of their ill behaviors or whatever. I, I, Should we say it's, it's, the, it's the bad guy because he's attempting to... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's attempting to kidnap a woman. Yeah, yeah okay, yeah. Lo Pang is a cop, even though I do love him as a 100%. character. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> uh, but... I'd be remiss to skip this, by the way. There was early on something that was really unfortunate, and that is Jack does fetishize Chinese girls at the beginning. Yes, he does. I yeah. actually wrote a note about that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That that was a really unfortunate scene. Uh, but yeah, it, like I said, it's a mixed bag. This movie. Ultimately, I think that it's perfectly fine for leftists to enjoy this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's yeah, less regressive it yeah it's less regressive than like a lot of modern movies definitely definitely Asian, though i was gonna add that in the brothel scene i was very uncomfortable because they kind of made sex trafficking into a joke and i was like what is happening right now because the whole scene was, was supposed to be humorous with the naked ladies running out and i was like this is very awkward <laughs> yeah that that was a weird yeah weird part <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I was wondering what you'd think about that one particularly. Yeah. Yeah, it was I I mean I don't mind, you know, talking about it in a movie, obviously. It, it's a real problem, but the way yeah. it was presented was just so uncomfortable. <laughs> 
it was not taken seriously whatsoever and i just w- felt really weird about it yeah it's 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 an interesting kind of time capsule i think because there's a lot of it that feels very 80s and you know of that time and there's there's a lot of it that still feels very very modern and interesting and yeah it's it's yeah. a good movie it's not even close to my favorite carpenter movies but it it's it's pretty good <laughs> yeah i felt more uncomfortable watching iron man oh 100% I didn't I wrote, want to watch it again, so... <laughs> yeah, I wrote about three times more about things to rant about on Iron Man than Oh my than god, this. so the first time I saw Iron Man, it was opening weekend, and I went with my friend, and it was like a really late night showing, so we were like one of the only people in the theater, and we were so bored, this movie was so boring, we were just talking to each other the whole time, That's awesome. and there was a couple behind us that were just making out the entire movie, and clearly weren't enjoying their time either. <laughs> it was really <laughs> funny, That that's what I think of when I think about Iron Man, is the couple making out because the movie's so boring. <laughs> Yeah, good for them. Yeah, good for them. Yeah, <laughs> that's better. That's better than what I did when I recently watched Iron Man. Yeah, I'm pretty What's sure. <laughs> paid attention. Oh. Wrote, about, wrote it. Wrote stuff down. Yeah. Yeah. When you pay attention, it's so much worse. I'm pretty sure the last episode was just Chris and I screaming for like an hour yeah. about yeah, that movie. I like. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was good. It was good to watch something that's made by made by filmmakers who have a vision and are <laughs> confident in what they do and yeah, are just it spouting. It stuns me that that movie launched an entire franchise. I don't It's going how. back to it. It's <laughs> so uneven and weird. Uh-huh. It is it is incredible that that went anywhere. It's a testament to I think Robert Downey Jr being mm-hmm charismatic yeah and basically nothing else yeah like if yeah. any other actor had played that role do you think it would have launched oh the no universe? yeah no way no yeah. way not even not even close yeah no there's no way i can't even think of anyone who would be able to play iron man in that same way like mm-hmm. it, it was a good casting choice if you're going to have to say something good about the movie definitely that's about, that's yeah. about it you know anyway this isn't the iron man episode <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to go back through that troll. No more. After this episode, we're not talking about Iron Man anymore. Yeah. I swear okay, to God. Cool. <laughs> I swear to God. We had SP's story, yeah. which was great. <laughs> but after this, no I'd more be, Iron Man. I'll be surprised if we even hit another Marvel movie, to be honest. Yeah, no. I I was I was talking to my girlfriend um about, you know, starting the podcast and that Iron Man was the first thing, like that was the first thing I thought of when you you kind of gave me the idea because I haven't seen it in years, left as a kid, whatever. And then I'm like, I I don't hold, I didn't hold any of those other Marvel movies in the same regard. Mm-hmm. So I yeah. don't care. And, and like, <laughs> I don't The first Marvel movie that. I saw was actually um, Captain America um, versus Iron Man. What was it called? Uh, Civil War. Civil War. Okay. Oh, yeah. Very late. I was very late because <laughs> I hated Iron Man that much. I was like, I don't want to watch yeah. any more of these movies. <laughs> no, that's totally fair. Mm-hmm. And I'm really a DC fan. I'm like, I have like five DC tattoos. So I felt an allegiance to DC, which yeah. is sad for me now because the DC movies are so terrible. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I recently watched um, Birds of Prey and really enjoyed it. Oh, yeah. I love Birds of Prey. I love yeah. everything with Margot Robbie. Margot Robbie just yeah, perfect. <laughs> um, I mean, they, they kind of screwed her over in Suicide Squad in a lot of ways. Oh, but yeah. I, they, that, but they, she, like, yeah. she's the one thing that was good in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that movie was, that was fun <laughs> in an absurd yeah. way, a really bad, absurd way. I'm really excited for the remake, so. Yeah. We're like, uh, we're like soft rebooting it. I'm excited. 
So oh, I'm, Suicide Squad. I thought yeah. you meant Birds of Prey. No, yeah, no, no. no Suicide Squad. <laughs> yeah, the Suicide, Suicide Squad. Squad. And the trailer looked actually really good, but I was, you know, the original Suicide Squad trailer was really good too, so I don't want to yeah. like, get my hopes up. <laughs> I um I do <laughs> hope they it. I do hope they keep Harley Quinn's emancipation from the Joker though for the movie. I think they are because like he wasn't in the trailer at all. Good, good. Because that emancipation was like a really strong statement in film yeah. right now. And I really like that idea. Now what they need to do is bring in Poison Ivy so they can be together. Fuck yeah. Yeah. My favorite Don't disagree couple ever. Though. <laughs> oh yeah. Finally get the Christina Hendricks fan casting that people have been hollering <laughs> about for years. That would just be nuts. Oh yeah. <laughs> But these well, comic book movies, they can get basically anybody they want. Yeah, So I, I can see it happening. I don't know if you guys knew this, but Birds of Prey was originally going to be Gotham City Sirens. So we almost oh, had Poison Ivy, so and almost, then they changed yeah. it. <laughs> I was almost. so upset. Catwoman, Catwoman Harley yeah. Quinn, Poison Ivy. Yeah, yeah that would have been sick. Yeah, I'm uh, so upset they canceled it and changed it. Although I do love Huntress too, so. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she was great. Speaking of movies that you love, SB, I believe next episode's your pick. Have we confirmed what we're going to be watching? Moulin Rouge. Yeah, I haven't seen that one. It's very very fun. There's lots of music. (laughs) But um, the reason I picked it is because it was one of my favorite movies growing up. I love musicals, so I was really into it. Plus, Ewan McGregor is amazing in it. But one of the main characters is a sex worker. And so the depiction Mm. of her as a sex worker is the main thing that as an, a you know a sex worker myself now when I watch, rewatch it I'm like oh this isn't as good as I remember <laughs> oh interesting okay yeah so that's why I chose it. okay so yeah you'll be likely having the the bulk of the notes for the next Probably, episode yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh looking forward to it it's gonna be really cool yeah I'm interested I'm interested to see it I have I have absolutely no frame of reference for it at all and it's a Baz, Baz Luhrmann movie I think okay have you guys seen Romeo and Juliet yet or uh, I've seen The Great Gats. Uh, like um, the, re- the recent movie yeah, with yeah. Leonardo DiCaprio. I have seen his, that, yes. His style, like his stylization is so amazing. Yeah, very I vibrant. Love, I love his movies, yeah. yeah. Romeo and Juliet, you guys should see too. It's really good. Yeah, I've heard I've heard good things about that. Yeah, with Leonardo DiCaprio, yeah. Okay, cool. Oh, well, uh, that concludes our show. Is there anything you guys would like to plug? Plug your stuff? Um, linktree.com slash sbcult for all my music. <laughs> Yeah, that'll be in the description. Yeah. You'll find a lot of my work yes. in there as well. <laughs> <laughs> so that that that'd be mine as well, I guess. Yeah, and for me, you can just type in noobheavy.com and just explore my world. You'll find and everything I'm on there, from there too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can't go wrong. Yeah. Uh I should I should do a sign off. I never remember to do this. <laughs> Hang on, what did we call the show again? Wake Scalding Hollywood. Okay. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Important to remember. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Bang up. Thanks for listening to Wake Scalding Hollywood. Make sure you subscribe and share this with your fellow leftists. And I'll see you next week with Moulin Rouge. And then music will play.
Yeah.